0: What is the Podcaster Matrix? The Podcaster Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. Welcome to the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast, hosted by me, Dr. Mark Halstead. In this podcast, I cover common problems and injuries young athletes may face and ways to keep your kids healthy and as safe as possible while participating in sports. Leading experts in the field will join me to give you the best advice and what is the the state-of-the-art in thinking about issues young athletes may face. If you have a stake in the health of young athletes, whether as a parent or coach or even a young athlete yourself, this is the podcast for you. Join me as I bring you the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast. Welcome to a special episode of the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, your host. Today we're going to talk a little bit about coronavirus and how it affects sports and really what you need to know in general about the virus. I think this is a good way to use this format and we can discuss the impact that the virus has had on the sports world in the United States and how it most certainly has affected your young athlete and probably your family overall as well. Wednesday, March 11th. This will be a day that lives in sports history. That evening, the Utah Jazz and Oklahoma City Thunder were playing in Oklahoma City. The game was canceled, and the NBA shortly after announced that it was suspending the season after Utah Jazz center Rudy Gobert tested positive for the coronavirus. Meanwhile, at the Big Ten tournament, Nebraska head coach Fred Hoiberg was visibly ill, and he was taken from the game with a fever. Speculation began that he also may have had coronavirus, but he actually tested positive for influenza. The following day on Thursday the 12th, the Wheels came off the bus for professional and collegiate sports. Various power conferences suspended their tournaments for basketball. The NCAA suggested that they would play March Madness without fans. Colleges began to tell their students to either go home or stay home if they were on break. Soon after, the NCAA announced that all winter and spring sports championships would be canceled for the year. Duke also announced it wouldn't play in the March Madness tournament if they were invited, and other teams followed suit and the NCAA eventually canceled March Madness altogether. Major League Baseball canceled the remainder of spring training and announced that it would delay the season till April 9th at the earliest. Major League Soccer suspended their season for 30 days. U.S. Soccer canceled their games with the men and women's team through April. The National Hockey League suspended its season. The Masters Tournament in golf was postponed. NASCAR restricted the number of its fans. And the Boston Marathon, a golden tradition in the spring, announced it would postpone its race until the fall. What a day in sports. What a day for ESPN. But with professional and collegiate sports on the shelf, shortly after, high school sports and club sports also started canceling practices, games, and championship tournaments. Overreaction? Many have questioned this as such. I'm going to discuss what is the coronavirus and why this is important for sports to have taken a back seat. So first off, what is the coronavirus and why is it called the novel coronavirus or COVID-19? And is this really a new virus? So the coronavirus itself as a virus is not new. This particular strain is new. Other strains of the coronavirus are oftentimes implicated as causing the common cold. It is not the same as the flu. Influenza is a separate virus altogether. So we've heard of some mutated forms of the coronavirus before, the SARS outbreak in 2003 was one of those, and SARS stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, and some have called the coronavirus that we have right now SARS-2 because it has very similar features to the previous version of SARS, but this version of SARS is a little bit different. The previous version of SARS was well-contained back in 2003, and it seemed to be affecting more people in the hospital setting. This is definitely affecting more of people out in the community. So how about COVID-19? So the COVID part of that, the CO is for corona, the VI is for virus, and D is for disease. And because it was started in 2019, or at least discovered in 2019 with the first case in December in China, it gets the label of COVID-19. How is the virus spread? So we're actually still trying to figure that out exactly. So it's felt to spread with droplets. And what that means is if you cough or sneeze, there's that spray that comes out. So there's droplets that are there from the respiratory system and those carry the virus. So with droplet transmission, the droplets that come out from when you sneeze or cough fall to the floor, which is why we talk about having people have a six foot social distancing parameter, whereas an aerosolized version tends to stay in the air and float around in the air. And so it's not felt that coronavirus is this, but we don't know that 100% for sure. Some have suggested that even just the act of breathing itself and the respiratory particles can cause that, although that's not totally been proven. We do know that close contact can be an issue, but there's other issues that could be a problem for this, too, and that could even be contact with surfaces. So recently, there's been some studies suggesting that the virus for COVID-19 is detectable in aerosols, so that's things that get sprayed for up to three hours afterwards, And it could be up to four hours on a copper surface, up to 24 hours on cardboard, and up to two or three days on plastic and stainless steel surfaces. So that's why it's prudent if we have anything that comes into contact with those that we consider sanitizing those areas. That's also why when we talk about community restrictions of things, if you are around a lot of things that have those types of objects. So plastic is an example at a school playground or a public playground. Most of the playgrounds nowadays are made out of plastic material. And so if someone is carrying the virus, they cough on that, sneeze on that, it may actually survive for two or three days afterwards, and then someone touches that, and then they can spread the virus to themselves. And especially kids who are touching their face and doing all sorts of other things with their hands all the time, that's an easy way to spread. The other concern is that people can spread the disease even before they develop symptoms. That becomes a big concern when we talk about illnesses because if you don't even know you have the virus yet, and you're spreading the virus, well, that can become a big problem for the people around you. And that's why this has relevance for sports. So, why is the coronavirus an issue at all? One of the things is what we call infectivity rate. And it actually is thought to be higher than influenza. So, let's talk about a little bit what infectivity rate is. It's really how contagious something is. And how many people may get it from being exposed to one person who has the virus. So as an example, COVID-19 has an uh, infectivity rating of what they oftentimes will say two to three, but some, some studies have even said an infectivity rate of four. So what does that mean? So that means if you have COVID-19, you are infected with the virus, then on average you will spread that to two to three more people, uh, possibly four. So influenza is a little bit lower rate than that. So this is the problem. This is why we're seeing these big rises. And when we talk about flattening the curve is in respect, and we're seeing doubling of these cases about every three days is because it is very easily spread. And one of the concerns we have are, are the large numbers of potentially young individuals. So people in their late teens and into their 20s and 30s who may be affected by this and may have very minor symptoms, which is a great thing for them. But the problem is, is that they can be big sources and vectors of spreading the virus around because they may not feel that bad. They may not think that they're infected. And so that's where we have to really kind of be concerned about this. The other issue in the United States right now compared to other countries is our testing for coronavirus has been very limited for two reasons. We have a very low supply of actual testing kits and we're testing people very sparingly. We're using the test in situations where someone has to have a high likelihood of having it just to help first of all, save the number of tests that we actually have. And hopefully, if we start to rev up the number of test kits, we can test a little bit more often. But it also gives people a little false sense of security that there may not be as much coronavirus out in the community right now. And in reality, there probably is. So in the NBA as an example, so we know seven players at the time of me recording this have been tested positive for coronavirus thus far. There's about 450 players in the NBA. That roughly is about one and a half, 2% of the players So far, who have tested positive for coronavirus. Now, if we just extrapolate that, like today, saying that the exact percentage of Americans are infected with coronavirus as there are the percentage of NBA players who have it right now, we're talking that there's actually potentially 5 million cases or more of people who have the coronavirus right now and are carriers of that. So that's obviously a lot more than what we're talking about as far as the number of cases that have been reported thus far from positive tests. And that's the hard part. So a lot of people right now are being told to stay home. We're only going to test you if you're really bad. And so people are just isolating themselves. They have the coronavirus, but they're actually not in the community or hopefully not. Or you may actually be out in the community. So that really underestimates what's truly out there. The other concern with this, too, is that younger patients are relatively unaffected. That's great. So we're not seeing high rates of kids especially young kids, infants, dying from this. There have been some cases, a few, but fortunately that's a rare phenomenon that we see that younger patients have more troubles with this. But that's the problem. They've also been found in various countries that have done a lot of testing for this to have high rates of infectivity. So the big concern right now is that they're the ones potentially who are spreading this virus around to the rest of the community, even though they may have minimal to no symptoms. So, we're fortunate that most people, the vast majority of people who get coronavirus, are not going to have severe illness. But that's the concern. We have to look out for those members in our community who are at high risk for having a very bad outcome from this particular problem. The other concerns is the burden that it puts on our healthcare system. As a physician, I see this and I'm dealing with this on a daily basis right now. I'm having to cancel patients from my clinics, we're being very selective who can come into the clinics everything's getting extremely more sanitized. I mean, we sanitize a lot, but even more so than what probably we did before. It it becomes a bigger issue there. And the problem is, is we're already seeing shortages of supplies of personal protective equipment. That's crucial for someone in the healthcare environment. So if you're a nurse or a physician, a respiratory therapist, you're someone that's working at helping to clean up the hospitals, and you don't have access to that personal protective equipment, you are now putting that healthcare individual in the healthcare system at risk for contracting coronavirus as well. And if they get it, well, then obviously that's less people there. They could also develop problems with this. So we are seeing physicians and healthcare workers are who are having high infectivity rates. In fact, in Italy, that's been a big issue. If we're having shortages on personal protective equipment, masks and gowns and those types of things, and healthcare providers can't get those, then how do they take care of patients adequately and protect themselves at the same time? And that's one thing that we have to remember. You may be worried about your rolls of toilet paper that you don't have, but that's a far cry of being able to wipe your backside compared to a person who's frontline with someone who is dealing with coronavirus and is extremely ill and they don't have the proper equipment to protect themselves. That, that is a much more crucial shortage that we need to be aware of and really needs to be addressed sooner rather than later. The other problem with this is we are seeing high rates of people who do need intensive care and need to be ventilated. So that's artificial respirations where they put a breathing tube in and they help those people with that breathing tube. The problem is, is that there's only so many beds in hospitals that have this. We don't have an endless supply of respirators around and we are still coming out of the flu season. And it's been a relatively bad season this year in the younger age groups. Some of those patients actually need intensive care as well. So that's taking up some of those beds and we have to remember that those people that need those respirators if we run out of respirators because we increase the rates of coronavirus infection in the community really quick then there may not be respirators for those people and this is one of the problems that we're seeing in italy right now italy is having to make choices very hard choices of who may have access to that intensive care and in that respirator and that's a challenge but the other problem with that that we have to think about and translate that into ourselves is Even though we're isolating ourselves, we may not be dealing with coronavirus personally ourselves, we still have health issues, all of us, okay? So you may get a heart attack, or you may have a heart attack, or you may get a stroke, or you may have a bad trauma somehow, and you may need critical care as well. So now if we have an overabundance of people that we're having to care for with coronavirus in those intensive care units, then you may get shortchanged as well. So we have to remember that. So that's why the healthcare system right now is really struggling and many of us as physicians are stressing out about this because we don't know what we're going to do. And this is going to explode in the United States shortly as we have seen the trend continue. And we are going to overburden our healthcare system. And this is especially true in concerns for rural communities. Now, there's some very innovative things that are being done out there to help combat this and to help address those shortages but it may be too late. And especially if we continue to see what we've seen a lot in the population where people are still out at spring breaks on beaches and hanging out in close quarters with each other, that's a great way to spread the virus and continue to bring that back to your communities when you come back home. So we have to be really diligent about this as far as thinking about others and not just ourselves in this situation. And that's where I think a lot of people are taking the wrong approach to this. And that's why it's been advocated to not be around other people and to not be going out to the bars, going out in restaurants and being around a bunch of other people. That's why there's restrictions on how many people now at this point, 10 in group gatherings, we're seeing churches shut down. We're seeing movie theaters shut down. We're seeing plays, obviously sporting events have been shut down. And that's because we do know that oftentimes 10 to 20% right now have been reported to need to be hospitalized when they're infected with coronavirus. That, that is a huge amount of people. We also have to remember, too, that even though the younger population is at very low risk for dying from this, I, the most recent study that I saw just yesterday suggested that if you're under the age of 50, there's like less than a 1% chance that you die from getting coronavirus. But that rate goes up significantly into the tens and, and double digits when we talk about elderly individuals. And so, so that's they're at much higher risk for dying because of other health issues. So even though we talk about, yes, only 2 to 3% overall is the kind of reported mortality rate right now, people who are dying from this, it's a high burden on our elderly population. So we really don't even know kind of overall what that true mortality rate is because obviously we're not testing. So we don't know how many people have it and then obviously how many people die. But it does seem to be that it's higher death rate than the flu right now. And those respiratory troubles are even more severe than it is than the flu. And so what's different than the flu with this? So the flu we've seen before like this, there's been bad outbreaks of the flu. We point out to the trouble of the 1918 influenza epidemic as kind of a mirror. That's what's going on right now with with COVID-19. The thing with flu, though, is we do have medications, antiviral medications, that have been shown to be effective treating the flu. And fortunately, all four major strains that we've seen of influenza in the community this year have been very responsive to those antiviral medicines. We don't have that for the coronavirus. We're learning this on the fly. Part of the reason why it's called novel coronavirus is that it's not something we've seen before. It it is a virus that started in animals and got transmitted to humans. The flu is typically a human virus. And so, so there's a difference there. So our body can recognize the flu and knows how to fight against it. Our body doesn't have the right way to fight against coronavirus. That's why, honestly, probably right now we don't really have an effective vaccine for other coronavirus infections we've seen. The flu has a vaccine, so that's helpful because it can reduce the burden or the severity of that. We don't have that for coronavirus, and vaccines take time to develop. You know, we see recent news that people are working on phase one trials of a vaccine. That doesn't mean it's around the corner, and it's going to be here in summertime, and it's going to be tested and known to be safe and effective. And those are things that we really want to make sure are truly the case before we let a vaccine be used widespread in the human population. So it's going to take time. It does appear that people are developing some antibodies to this. The question is, we don't know how long those antibodies last. So there is some short-term immunity. Once people have been infected and recovered, we just don't know if that lasts for a long period of time. So why is shutting down sports important right now? Well, again, so we know that for the most part, kids, teenagers probably aren't going to be affected greatly from the virus in terms of severity of illness or things like that. The thing we need to worry about now is if a kid is out there practicing their sport or playing their sport, or being around their teammates and their coaches, they now are exposed to a lot of other kids. And then what happens after that is that they can spread the virus to other people. So we have to be cognizant about the fact that there are coaches out there. There are referees out there. There are workers at arenas and facilities. And we need to do our due diligence to make sure that those people don't get infected. And that's why we have to reduce the spread of this as much as we can. This is too crucial to not. And that's why, unfortunately, sports go by the wayside. So what can we do now about the coronavirus? What can you do now? I'm being honest when it comes to your high school athlete. And I'm I'm an optimist. I would personally be surprised if much, if any, of spring sports seasons actually happens this year. Obviously, I can't predict that, but I would be surprised. Um, I think this burden is going to be greater in the next couple of weeks than most people are realizing right now. And that's going to put things continue to be on hold and for good reason. Okay. So, so what can you do when you're isolated? It's tough. It's tough on an athlete. It's tough on an athlete's mentality for that young athlete when they've been told that they may not have a season or they can't participate that for their sport, they can't be around their teammates and friends on a regular basis. So let them exercise. It is okay. So we don't have a mandate yet to not go outside. So they can go on a run by themselves, have them get some cardio fitness out there, have them take a brisk walk, let them go on a hike somewhere. Now, we don't want, you know, like five members of the team going and do that, but you know, having them go out and do that by themselves or someone else in your family to go on exercise. Great. If you've got a yard, let them play in the yard, let them do some workouts in the yard, make maybe something you do in the basement, maybe convert your basement. I've seen lots of videos of people doing all sorts of things in their basements for this. Again, you can't spread it outside by yourself if no one else is around. So that's where you still, if you're outside and you're exercising and you're the lone person out there running and you happen to come across another individual, don't stop and socialize. Give them a nod. Keep your appropriate social distance there and keep going and exercising. Okay. One thing that we see a lot in our clinics is we don't see athletes preparing enough to get ready for their seasons. They go out and they start their sport, but they don't do any preseason strength training. They don't do any conditioning. And then they go out and do their sport. And then what do I see in the office two weeks after season starts? I see tons of overuse injuries, problems that kids are having related to. They just worked out too much too soon. So work on their sport skills, work on their strength training. My goodness, the kids that I see these days who do very little strength training, or at least not the appropriate strength training for their sport. Those kids, this is the perfect time to work on that. And that's one of the things I stress with kids in the office when I see them for an injury is that even though they may be out for a while and we have to do some rehabilitation, that may make them come out as a better athlete on the end of that by not overworking things and getting things stronger and working more effectively than the athlete that's still out there practicing. So I have posted some links on our show note to give examples of some programs for common spring sports of things that you may be able to do uh, and translate into workouts at home. So look into those. Give them time to be a kid. You know, kids these days are so regimented with their sports. They go from sport to sport to sport in that regular grind. They're going to their training programs. You know, let kids be kids for a little bit. We don't see the free play. So let them go out and let them be creative in their backyard. You know, I remember I used to do this all the time back in the, Late 70s, early 80s, uh, when I was a kid and and teenager, and I, I would go out there and I'd create sort of things. I'd go out to a, a school or a, a yard where I had a something I can bounce a ball off of, and I would pretend and simulate a, a game uh, that that I you know I saw on TV from from my favorite baseball team, and I would pretend to be that pitcher or I'd simulate stuff there. And so so those are things. Let kids be creative with some of the things that they do. I think one other important part here for sure is it's okay for your kid to be upset. It's okay for you as a parent to be upset about this for them. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be disappointed. Okay, this was not how things were intended to be or what we expected them to be. It missing a season and those types of things, that, that's hard. It's particularly hard, obviously, for the seniors in high school or those graduating college where they may not be given that chance to compete competitively again for their sport. And so, so let them vent. Let them acknowledge the loss. Let them mourn. Okay, this is out of their control and remind them of that life is going to bring them many more things like this. And so the big other important part here is how do you handle that as a parent or a coach is something they're going to see and probably model that if you're stressed out and complaining about it all the time. Well, guess what? They get a situation like this. They're going to do the same thing. But if you can be innovative and creative and understand that, hey, there are other parts of life that we can deal with right now and we can help improve upon for you, model them on how to deal with adversity okay but again acknowledging and letting them realize that yes this does suck okay and it is going to get better sports will come back okay where sports are not gone permanently but again, let, let them be able to vent and, and let them relate that to their teammates. So, so there are plenty of options for them to socially navigate things. I mean, you know, again, when I was a kid, it would have to, I'd have to call someone up on the phone or I'd have to get together with somebody to talk about those types of things. So kids have all these social media outlets. You know, obviously they have video conferencing, FaceTime, all those types of things that they can do that you know, to stay connected with their peers. And I think that's important, especially if they are socially isolated temporarily and reminding them it's okay for you and your child to be scared and anxious about the time ahead. Sports are going to start up again. The virus will eventually die down and life will get back to normal for us. But we have to look out for the vulnerable. We have to make sure that we are protecting those that are at most risk for dying from coronavirus. Since we are considering things from a sports perspective, we have to remember, we need to treat this like a team approach. We're all in this together. We're all in this trying to get through this. And the quicker we do that, the more likely we'll be back to normal activities and normal participation. So that team approach is great. So if we all take our parts in the team, We'll get through this together as, as a society and as Americans, if we don't, and you want to be that individual superstar and the person who's the prima donna, and I'm going to do my own thing, well, you're going to get it in trouble for the rest of us. Okay. So, so again, this is truly a team approach. So my words of advice for you, first of all, socially distance yourselves. Think critically about what you really need to do. Okay. Okay. So do you need to go out somewhere? Do you need to interact? We have a huge advantage, like I said, over past generations that have dealt with pandemics as we do have that video conferencing the FaceTime, other options such as that. I just read recently that Netflix has a feature called Netflix Party, where you can share watching a movie or a show with someone remotely at the same time. So they can watch shows together. Okay? They can comment about it together, enjoy it together, just not physically with each other. And so we want to interact, but we need to continue to do that in a way that doesn't put others at increased risk of infection. And that's important. Wash your hands. I know this has been told zillions of times. So limit the touching of your face, particularly if you've been out about, especially, again, if you have not washed your hands. Again, it is okay to get out for a walk or hike with your family. I still do this. I go out and I get a run in. It's great for stress relief. But I'm not interacting with a bunch of other people. I run by myself. And so so I, I would avoid public playgrounds for now, those types of things. I think that's that's, you know, again... Stay away from those. It's it's a breeding ground right now for those types of things, especially if kids are out getting there together. For those Gen Xers out there like me, this is a perfect time to let your child enjoy the concept of free play. Maybe creating a new game with you or their siblings. You know, with sports, again, everything is so structured. A little less structure for sports can be good right now. But some structure during the day is good. So you don't want to just not have any plan for the day especially as spring breaks end for a lot of kids and we start getting back into more of a, a routine, so to speak, Obviously, it's not gonna be the normal routine because a lot of kids are gonna be doing online schooling, but have some structure. Don't let your kids sleep in until noon. So get them up, get them start doing some stuff, have some periods for exercise, have them have periods for reading, working on their schoolwork, chatting online with their friends or family members who may be out of town or obviously someone they can't see right now because they're, they're supposed to be isolating. If you don't have that structure, your days are gonna become long and boring. Check in on your neighbors, especially if they're elderly. Call them whatever way you need to text them, what have you. See if there's anything you can do for them. So that may mean even something as simple as consolidating a trip to the grocery store. If they're elderly, we don't need to put them at any higher risk of going out and about for something as simple as getting some groceries. So so call them up. Do help them out, okay? We are good in situations that have been stressful and challenging for us in the country of stepping up and doing things for others in need. This is the perfect time to do that. Please stop panic buying things. I cannot stress that enough. We have no outright shortages right now, except for things such as masks and hand sanitizers. Food production, product production is still going on. Shelves just need to be restocked and products need to get back out there. I cannot imagine that you need that much toilet paper. Stop. And again, reevaluate how much of something you need when you go to the store. I you know, at the store the other day, I mean, shelves were bare and that's pictures I've seen all over the country. So how much do you really need of that right now? Do you need 15 cans of beans right now? We are in this together. Another point I saw on social media is when you are picking products, be aware on the price that's there in the grocery store of the little WIC symbol of the WIC. Those are particular products that those that need assistance, um, that they have the ability to purchase those items through their assistance programs. And if those things are off the shelves, then they may not have an option of something to buy and they may go without an essential. And so, so again, remember we have to help each other out with this. It's super easy to get depressed and anxious about this. Talk about with friends, family, it's much, much, much easier for us to not talk about our feelings, but it's truly important for all of us to support each other. And we really need to be in community with each other right now. Just in a different way than what we're used to typically. And remember that the important part is the vast majority of us are going to get through this, but we're doing this for those at risk, for those in the healthcare field who are on the front lines, the elderly, those that can't work right now because of restrictions. Remember those people when you're thinking about do I need to go out and do I need to go to the mall, as an example. And fortunately, a lot of stores are shutting down. Uh, that makes that not even an option. So let's be good neighbors, let's be good Samaritans, let's be good citizens. Let's help fight this together. Remember, lives are at stake here. This is not something we're trying to monkey around with. When you have healthcare providers that are stressing this time and time again to you, this is not something made up. Okay, Our lives have been dramatically changed as well. I'd love to be seeing kids in my office every single day right now with their sore knees and their sore elbows from baseball and those types of things, or the broken bone they got from falling off of the playground, even though, again, I don't wish any of those things and injuries and pain upon any kids. But I'd rather that be going on right now than everybody's lives to be turned upside down. And more importantly, that we're losing lives of people in our families that we care about. And so remember, those lives are at stake. And you can be careless and contribute to someone losing their own life or even your own. And your actions can save lives. So that social distancing, the socially isolating right now, not making those unnecessary trips, putting things off right now, even though it's a struggle for all of us, you know, I've had to cancel things that that I certainly have would have wanted to do. But again, we have to remember it's for the greater good. So I really thank you for listening to the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast. This is something we're just getting started. I was not anticipating, this was not a plan for me to do a coronavirus episode when I was planning these things out months ago. But I thought it was important to talk about this and some things related to sports. Again, we will have things in our show notes to talk about some options for exercise, some, some resources there, uh, some great things that I found personally over the last week or two things that people have done to help support athletes. I think that's really important. That could be something as simple as kind of explaining this in terms of an athlete and understanding how to grieve with this. But again, let's remember to support ourselves. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, your host, and thank you for listening to the healthy young athlete podcast. Thank you for joining us today for the healthy young athlete podcast. We hope you'll join us for future episodes. Please review our podcast and spread the word about us. You can find our full episode library at healthyyoungathletepodcast.com. This is Dr. Mark Halstead, and you've been listening to the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast.